Hey, this is Hamid Drake, and you're listening to X-Ray FM, The Changing Saint.
What's up, Portland? All right. That was a real smooth start. You're listening to the new and improved, the new and improved weekly time slot for the changing same. And this is the first time I'm sharing that with you. Circumstances were such that, well, although we meant to, you know, tell everybody on the air that I was moving from Sundays to Wednesdays, that was an intent. We did have that intention. It just didn't happen. But, you know, I'm sure no one's too torn up about that. Oh, wait, no, I'm sure everyone is not very torn up about that. This is the new and improved time slot for the Changing Same. 1 to 3 every Wednesday in the morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. It's complicated. But I'm going to hold your hands while you guys through it. And it's going to be... This show was founded in 19 on FM radio in 1998. This very radio show in Eugene at KWVA. It's true. We're entering the 20th year of this show, and I'm only 23 years old. It's crazy. Oh, right on. So... real quick you're listening to x-ray fm at kxr portland kqac hd3 portland and our sister station sister station kxrwlp vancouver streaming online everywhere at xray.fm this is the changing same and i'm your host x-ray fm's prettiest dj the sophisticated micah rainbow riverbomb sykes it's new for me too I'm still getting to the groove here with the 1am thing. I think I got this though. And so, I'm going to let you know that we kicked off the top of the hour with a track by Who Vibrational. And Who is spelled H-U. And Who Vibrational is Hami Drake. And, uh, is it Michael Zerang? Anyway, I haven't been on the air for a couple weeks, and I've got a bunch of new music all lined up for you, and so we are about to jam out and uh, turn it up. Changing Sam, Extra FM.
So, yeah, that track we heard was called Born From The Sea. Homie Drag was there on, well, on percussion with Adam Rudolph and Brahim Crib Gang. And Who Vibrational is the name. And it's actually more of a Homie Drag, Adam Rudolph thing. And Michael Zerang is like nowhere on this album. My information was totally corrupted. But Yusef Latif does pop up. Reading some poetry on this album. Big bonus. Who Vibrational. Universal Mother. Boongi Music 3. Soul Jazz Records. You want to get it. Okay, moving right along. So, this next piece we're going to hear is by John Chikai with Rent Romus. The album's called John Chikai with Rent Romus, Lords of Outland, Adapt or Die. Label is Jazz Heads Records. Who brought their A-game the day they thought of that label name? The country of origin is the United States. John Chikai, of course, famous Danish member of the New York Art Quartet, ESP Disc, group with Roswell Rudd, Milford Graves, and Louis Worrell, later Reggie Workman. The piece we're going to hear is called Cherry Vanilla, composed by Chikai. And as you know, John Chikai is like a fantastic composer. One of the best. So you got Rent Romas on the reeds here with John Chikai on the reeds and Dave Mahaley on drums and Who's the phone? There you go. John Bird song. Cherry Vanilla. Turn this up. That's right, fam.
Cherry Vanilla. Thank you. 
What's up, Portland? This is the changing scene on X-Ray FM. How many weeks do I need to rem- to announce that this is my my new time slot before the world like all puts it in their iCals? I'm thinking just tonight. Um, I'm sure the bloggers will take care of the rest. You just heard from Carl Hector and the Malcoons. Nix was the name of the track, and I'm certain that's how it's pronounced. From now, again, records, 2008. Wow, that came out 10 years ago. I got that album right when it came out. And I'm only 23. Sahara Swing. If you like to buy vinyl, it's a double. And it is cooler. The jury's in on that. And before that, you heard from... Duke Ellington. That's what it was. Except, interestingly enough, that was not Duke Ellington's orchestra. He was in that orchestra on piano. That was actually the Barney Bygard Orchestra. And Barney Bygard is an, an American clarinetist, no, clarinetist known for his 15-year tenure with Duke Ellington. Bygard was born in New Orleans to a family of Creoles, according to Wikipedia. The son of Alexander and Emanuela Bygard, very important. So, in the 20s, he moved to Chicago where he worked with King Oliver. And during that period, much of his recording, including with clarinetist Johnny Dodds, was on tenor saxophone. Again, very important. But it should be noted that he often plays with great lyricism, as on King Oliver's Someday Sweetheart, a fantastic track. In 1927, Bygard joined Duke Ellington's orchestra in New York, where he was part of the Harlem Renaissance. He played with Ellington until 1942. They played primarily at the Cotton Club. That was Lament for Javanet from an album called Ellington Plays Strayhorn. I guess it goes through implying that that track was composed by Billy Strayhorn, one of my favorite composers of the planet. And before that, you heard Moose the Mooch. That was from Aaron Goldberg's and Guillermo Klein's album. Am I pronouncing this right? Jonathan? Is it? Wait. Binistan? Binistan. Binistan. Something like that. Moose the Moot. Fabulous reworking of Charlie Parker's famous, famous song. And up next, we're going to go deep, folks. We're going to dive in to the 13 minute and 20 second master pace. Master pace known as Metamorphosis. 
1962-1966 by Bill Dixon, who can be heard here on trumpet, from his 1967 release on RCA Records. Wait, yeah, on RCA Victor. And despite critical acclaim at the time, it was soon out of print except for appearances in 1972 on Japanese RCA and later in 76 on French RCA. The album was not reissued on CD until 2011. One of the masterpieces of the free jazz avant-garde era by a virtuosic trumpet player and master composer, Bill Dixon. Byard Lancaster's Robin Kenyatta. Jimmy Garrison from Coltrane's Quartets here. Reggie Workman, two bass players. Change same extra FM. Turn it up, Bill Dixon, Metamorphosis. From Indents and Purposes.
think that singer needs any introduction, does she? Interestingly enough, and also somewhat pertinent to this show, that 
song was on an album posthumously released in the last, I don't know, 10 years or something. A five-disc set. Rare live recordings, 1935 to 1959. You definitely heard the Prez on tenor in the back there. And throughout the five-disc set, the Duke Ellington Orchestra, Teddy Wilson, Lester Young, a.k.a. The Prez, Count Basie, Artie Shaw, Stan Getz, just to name a few, are her in her band. Or are conducting her band or leading her orchestra or whatever you want to call it. What's cool about this five this set is that it's all the songs sans a couple where ESP just kind of takes a artistic license and moves some stuff around for continuity's sake on the album, but the, the songs are all in chronological order. So you can really hear her arc as a singer. You know, people like to say things about her later career. I don't know. I think it's all about the bigger picture. And the music is great anyway. Whatever you... You can't argue against that. You can't argue that. You can't say the music's bad. And there's also all these introductions from MCs and TV hosts and stuff introducing Billie Holiday with various famous musicians of the day. Jerome Kern is one. And, uh, of course, Lester Young. I could go on and on about Billie Holiday. In fact, I have a new policy. I think, I mean, I'm going to pretty much play at least one Billie Holiday song every show. Because that's as good as it gets. That's as good as Stan gets. Ooh. Okay. Welcome, folks, to the new and improved time slot with the changing same on Extra FM. We'll be here every week now from the fabulous. When you're getting your DUI, you gotta turn up my show. I'm hope hopefully I'm playing in the background right now as a couple of you, couple of you local rap scallions are getting getting busted, getting sent into the pokey. They're doing 13 tequila shots at the moon and sixpence. Don't do anything stupid. I'm just kidding. Y'all be safe. Drunk driving is for losers. Okay, so. This next piece we're going to hear is called The Sword, The Sword Under His Wings by Errol Anderson. Errol Anderson, the bass player. This is an ESP disc, excuse me, an ECM recording. I've been talking long enough, so maybe we'll talk about the details later. I'm just going to go ahead and say right now that this song is going to be followed by this song known as The Sword Under His Wings by Errol Anderson. 
Jonathan. It's not Airlid. Errold Anderson. It's going to be followed by the title track from Reggie Workman's mid-90s LP for Postcards Records. Cerebral Caverns. Postcards Records, one of the better labels of the modern era. was purchased by Arcadia Jazz not long ago. And they keep their discography in print, which for a while I don't think it was. It's safe to say anything on postcards is worth buying. So without further ado, my favorite thing to do, this. Oh. The Sword Under His Wings by Harold Anderson from Selected Recordings, ECM Records. Jenny Sam, X-Ray FM. Thank you. 
I noticed when I made a spiritual unity a long time ago, they told the uh, people in Wales or somewhere that the music was uh, very bad, but music has nothing to do with people because it's a natural force, you understand? But America tried to say that it was uh, kind of political and that it would had caused a lot of uh, the riots and whatnot when I was affiliated with Leroy Jones, but uh, that wasn't true at all. Music was like very, very beautiful. But now I notice the uh, new generation in America, they are uh, free-minded and they think like the music is, you know, and I've noticed a number of the musicians, now they are playing free music. They have incorporated certain ideas with pop music. See, you know, so I see that the music was uh, like perhaps ahead of its time to a certain extent. I believe in the years to come, it's gonna be beautiful. It'll be just like a great composer would bring out a, some music, uh, say, here in Europe, and they would say, no, 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 then the years to come, it's beautiful. There was a lot of talk uh, about the so-called new music movement or avant-garde music, uh, as uh, Mama Baraka used to call it at the time, black music <laughs> in the 60s. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of talk, and I heard it from all sources, uh, I heard it from white sources, black sources, you know, that there was a lot of people felt, a lot of respected people felt that there was a definite political movement in this country to stop so-called, at that time they would call it, oh, they used to call it new black music a lot was another term used. There was a political movement to stop the music because if you take at the time Sun Ra, if you take even Pharaoh, you know, a lot of people don't relate sometimes to the new music, you know, uh, uh, literature-wise. But if you take um, Albert, Josephi Logan was involved in that, and uh, Dewey Johnson, and uh, I mean, you can go right on down the, the list. And of course, my, I was involved in that. And um, most of us at that time were very active at a lot of different political events that was taking place in, in the black community, whether it was Bedford-Stuyve, whether it was Harlem. There was a lot of political fundraisings, and a lot of people were very uh, upset, that we were told were very upset that the musicians were involved with so-called militant black leaders or civil rights leaders. It was told on me on several occasions that if I don't start playing downtown, that uh, the music industry was going to just just negate me totally, you know. But it was all this kind of talk. But, but, but anyway, it was told by sometimes people who were considered reliable sources that there was a definite political movement to stop the music, you know. There was different movements trying, there was musicians was trying to organize, but for some reason it was always being stopped. But the importance really uh, that I, I feel about this music is that historically there was different times in this country from social political conditions that caused this music to make various changes. And those changes was always in relationship to like the more or less freedom and the more or less growth of oppressed people, but not so, just black people. Right, so I mean, total, because there were there were white musicians involved as well. That's right. See, so that's, this is just not a black music. You know, it was a people's music. Right. It just so happens that there were uh, 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 the, uh, the greater majority of musicians that was involved was black musicians. But uh, but this music was like a, a growth factor for a, a new awakening. And we all we all know that uh, music is very powerful. It's a, it's a gathering force, you know. I mean, people. It's an indirect way to communicate to people. They get abstract thoughts before they start to condense them into something that becomes like an, a, a sort of logical kind of a way to do things. So I think that the music was uh, like was going to direct people into another area of consciousness. So that's that's the, the very importance 
uh, of the music as compared to music today that it doesn't work on a, uh, a, a sort of conscious state that can, uh, it makes you puppets, you know. You're, right, right. you're constantly moving around in a circle where there's no kind of opening out, you know, right. the court. But, uh, you know, I, there were musicians in the 60s who had really came across something that maybe uh, uh, academically or technically didn't have a good understanding of what they were doing. They that was sure. made to think that what they were doing was totally, like, not happening because they couldn't, like, uh, intellectually talk about the music. And I think it was a regression for a lot of people because certain people had a new kind of... I know one trumpet player... Uh, one of our greatest trumpet players from the bebop era, and I don't have to mention his name because he should be here. I mean, who else could I be talking about? Who we played on tour with in Europe. And I seen him, like, I mean, for me, it was such an inspiration, you know. And it was Dizzy Gillespie. When I saw Dizzy Gillespie sitting in front of my drums and I seen Dizzy Gillespie's head start moving in all kind of ways, that made me want to make his head just, just, head just come off of his neck. You know what I mean? You know, because I said, go, Diz, because, you know, I used to watch Diz do that. And I said, for Diz to be sitting in front of my drums, and next minute, I know Diz was on the stage with his camera taking photos of us. So that was, a, that was a hell of an inspiration. You know what I mean? New music, too, you know what I mean? So anyway, I had this trumpet player with me, and this guy didn't know nothing about scales or anything, but he had something else happening on trumpet. I seen another musician hire him, and he came back and told me, he says, Hey, Milford, man, I didn't know this guy couldn't read music, man. I asked him to read charts, and he couldn't read it. He said, Man, I, when I heard this guy, I didn't know... I thought this guy, man, been to all kind of conservatories. I know another trumpet player, a great trumpet player today. I asked him when he got off the stage and told him all these high notes he was hitting. He said, man, what is this guy talking about? What high notes? This guy didn't know what he was doing. And that's what I hired him for. I said, hey, man, you don't have to, don't, don't worry about nothing. I said, just play, man. Because <laughs> I said, and I know somebody else used him that he definitely couldn't cut his music, but they wanted him for solos, man. Because this guy had another thing happening on, on, on trumpet. You know, and next minute I know this guy, but he's, he's, not, he's not functioning now, man. He was made to think after that he was not happening, man. Because there were some trumpet players, man, you're talking about, you can't play, you can't play. And no, it wasn't enough of guys telling him, respectable musicians telling him that you do have something. So, I mean, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is sure, there were a lot of musicians that something was, there was, there was, there was a birth taking place. You know, the analyzation came after, and that's how this music started. It was a feeling that came out of the 60s that was opening up something. And that was stopped, man. It was squashed, you know? And that is the shame about what happened then. You had to uh, just hang out with Albert for a day. You know, first of all, you know, you go to Albert's house. If you didn't know Albert, you know, and you open the door, you would think that the house was on fire. He used to have so much incense burning. Albert, I mean, he burned a lot of incense. And you walked out of Albert's house, your clothes was just saturated with incense, <laughs> you know, odor. And uh, you go and you sit in the house with Albert. Sometimes you'd be talking, sometimes it's quiet. And I would be sitting in the chair, and he'd sit by this window. And maybe the lights would be real dim, or the wind, he wouldn't have the lights on in the daytime. But, the, like, the light would come through, and it, and, and it, it, would, and it would reject him in a certain way that you could see a shadow in a certain way. And you'd have to really look at him sometimes, you know, to see if Albert was like, if he was really there, you know, he became just like some of the titles of his tunes, ghosts, <laughs> you know, spirit. Yes, yeah, spirit. You know, I mean, and then, uh, and Albert, a lot of times, you know, you'd be walking with Albert, and he start whistling. He'd be whistling all the time, either humming, always singing something. Like when you, you know, not be at Albert, like you, you felt as though your material body was not there. It felt like you could walk through each other with Albert. You know, you couldn't bump into him. <laughs> and uh, 
It was always this quiet thing that you had with Albert. Always quiet with Albert. I've never seen him get very loud. That's what was amazing because when he played, it was just the opposite. He was so powerful and like he was reserving all his energy. Like he was just going, when he played, that's when everything would come out, you know? But if, if, you, if you watch his personality, you wouldn't think that he was that powerful. I mean, just him, you know? Albert was an experience. <laughs> I mean, when you was around him, you know?
Oh yeah, baby. Cerebral Caverns. The title track. To Reggie Workman's 1995 album he put out with the help of Postcards Records. You can hear Reggie Workman as always on bass on that album. And of course, we all know Reggie Workman primarily from his work with John Coltrane in the 60s and late 50s. He's still alive. I saw him play not that long ago. Well, years ago. Years ago. Here in Portland with Trio 3 with Oliver Lake and Andrew Surreal. Trio 3. I mean, Oliver Lake and Andrew Surreal with Reggie Workman, you really... That's like the best dang trio possible out of like the musicians that are alive anyway. Um, born in Pennsylvania in 1937, which makes, yeah, makes him 80. He was a member of jazz groups led by Gigi Grice, Roy Haynes, Wayne Shorter, Red, Gar- Red Garland. Member of uh, Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, played with Yusef Latif, Pharaoh Sanders, Thelonious Monk, Archie Shep, Lee Morgan, David Murray. He formed the Super Jazz Trio in the 70s with Tommy Flanagan and Joe Chambers. Currently professor at the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in New York City. And as a member of the group, as I said, with Trio 3. Oliver Lake, Andrew Surreal, double bass player. Song we just heard, Cerebral Caverns, from his album of the same name, Reggie Workman. And before that, you heard some really wild stuff that I didn't know that I had. Have had for a long time. You heard Bernard Stolman, founder of ESP Disc Records out of New York, interviewing first Albert Eiler and then Milford Graves, the percussionist, about Albert Eiler and the recording of Albert's kind of, well, jaw-dropping and also cornerstone record in jazz history and kind of like jazz of the entire thing Spiritual Unity which he released in 1964 I believe Gary Peacock on bass who's currently working with Keith Jarrett and his trio with Jackie Jeanette and Sonny Murray on drums who's also still alive um, I would rather of course pass in the early 70s not too long after John Coltrane. And uh, really interesting stuff because that album, Spiritual Unity, as you are well aware, is kind of like this mythical beast of an album that kind of changed everything and continue to this day continues to be one of the most influential recorded pieces of music, if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, of course, I would rather went on to record a bunch of, a whole string of amazing albums, but Spiritual Unity, something about it. <clears throat> so this album put out by uh, ESP Disc is called The Albert Eiler Story. It's a 
did all these interviews with all kinds of musicians from the day and a bunch of tracks and the Albert Eiler story, ESP disc. You can get it online, download it. It's awesome. Ah, this is the Changing Same on X-Ray FM. And we are quickly approaching the final minutes of my first night morning in my new time slot. Noon improved. One to three. Every Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. The Changing Same is the name of the show. And it's like a con we are I'm a concrete institution now, approaching twenty years on FM radio. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know how to brag if I But it did twenty years on the radio is real, sort of, with a long break in between then and now, but there's lots of internet activity at that time. The dark the the dark years. Lots of blogging. This right here is Carl Hector and the Malcoons. And uh, next, I'm kind of in the mood for some Thundercat. What do you think? All right, turn it up.
what do you know about that? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you one thing this evening. Before I swing for you, I got to do a little practicing on this little Selma trumpet. <laughs> you remember that good old good one? But listen, yeah, before we go any further, I want to check that number. Laughing Louis for you. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, Laughing Louis. Now get a load of this satchel. One, two, three. Laughing Louis. I'm Laughing Louis. I'm Laughing Louis. Better than the best of I'm Laughing Louis. Yes, boy, I didn't know who it. Mm, that's me. Now I wake up every morning and I look on the wall. And the reason why I laugh because I see my photograph. <laughs> that's why they call me Laughing Louis. Now you can't think you can say Swing out for yourself, yes. Yes, I'll swing out. Swing out, boys. Swing out, swing out. Yes, sir. <laughs> These guys are looking so good. They can swing, man. But look, y'all, y'all won't listen to me play with you, and you won't listen to me sing, eh? But I'm going to blow a little Selma trumpet this evening, and I'm going to play your beautiful number. You're bound to like it. Get a load of this one, boy. Get a load of this one. Take off, Gate. Now, Lord. Watch out there, Bob. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm going out. That ain't all of it, though. The pretty part, here it comes. Here it comes.
All right, we're bringing things to a close tonight. The the changing seams first night on its new slot. I want to thank y'all for listening. And BTW, you just heard from Gary Burton from A Genuine Tong Funeral. The album name from 1967, I believe. One of those crazy albums that help of Michael Mantler and the Jazz Composers Orchestra and well, members of Gary Burton, as always, on the vibes. Michael Mantler's on trumpet. You also heard Jimmy Nepper, Howard Johnson, Steve Lacey, Gato Barbieri, Carla Blay, Larry Koryoff, Steve Swallow, and Bob Moses. All in album, Genuine Tong Funeral. And you know what, Scott, you know, you know, awarded the album four and a half stars, stating on the Viber bonus, most intriguing recordings. This is true. I believe Scott, you know, actually listened to that album. I don't think he listens to all of them. Okay, we're gonna sum things up, conclude with who better to conclude the first show at the new time slot than with Tony Williams. Tony Williams' lifetime from a later, a little later recording, well, 75. This is the Alan Holdsworth era. Tony Williams' lifetime with Alan Pasqua, Tony Newton. Alan Pasqua on keyboards and Tony Newton on bass. Alan Holdsworth on guitar. Mr. Spock. That's what we're going to do. Changing Sam. X-Ray FM. Turn this up.